phrase etymology and why we say the things we say. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. He's my dad. And she's my daughter. That's how that works. So last week yep. I presented. You did. This week I'm presenting again. Wait, I'm what? I'm stealing it from you. What? <laughs> I know. Uh, this is me. a hostile takeover oh, no. of the podcast. Is it a coup? No, because that word is kind of tainted now. I it mean, it was is. never like a good thing to begin <laughs> no, with. It was such a wholesome word before. Yes. Remember when Grandma did the coup? It was great. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some coups that have been helpful to history. But anyway, yeah. um, all that to say. It's a great start. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got our rhythm off a little bit because we missed a week a couple weeks back due to some health stuff. But I already had an episode planned for before Valentine's Day. Yes. So... We're doing it today. All right. <laughs> We're starting out here. So sorry to make you sad. Disrupt the rhythm. It's okay. I know. I think the I think our listeners will be fine with it. I don't think. Uh, I guess I'm sure they're they not mind. going to throw a coup over us. I hope not. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. They don't even know where to record. So you never know. Good luck with that. People. Eyes and ears everywhere. <laughs> oh dear! Is that us or them? <laughs> Many Both? spies of many eyes. I don't know. Wow. All right. <laughs> many spies of many eyes. <coughs> but anyway, happy Valentine's Day, Dad. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Thank you. Do you celebrate Valentine's Day, really? Not well. Oh, no. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, well, I am. I have this very uh, stubborn, mischievous streak about me. I, I'm not a hipster at all, although I do have the beard of one now. More of a Santa beard than anything. But anyway, I have cynicism around Valentine's ah. Day, as I'm sure many people do. Okay. Uh, I will buy my significant other gifts mm-hmm. uh, because I don't want to hurt their feelings. And I'm hoping to get a gift because I always like getting gifts. Uh-huh. There is a small little um, place in Grand Rapids that I love. A little restaurant called Yesterdog. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago when I met my now wife... I decided to take her to Yesterdog for Valentine's Day. Okay. And it was kind of, to be kind of tongue-in-cheek, kind of kind of be silly, you know, because you're supposed to go to the big restaurant and have the big meal, and it's got to be really romantic. And I just kind of wanted to do the anti-Valentine's Day thing. Yeah. So I took her to a small, little, run-down hot dog place. Mm-hmm. And it's become a tradition. And I told her, I said, look, I, I was just trying to be goofy when we were dating because I thought it was funny. And we don't have to do that anymore, but now it's, it's like a thing we do. Okay. We go to Yesterdog. That's sweet. How about you? Um, I don't dislike Valentine's Day. I did have a friend tell me this past weekend that it's her favorite holiday. And for what? that, I was kind of like, wow, okay, I don't really? know if I've ever heard that before. Who is that? But my friend Kimmy. Oh. Yeah. So okay. I was like, okay, that's cool. Did you dive into um, that? As to why? Not really. I think oh. I can piece it together. She just likes love and likes feeling appreciated and stuff. Oh. So I could see where that would connect for her. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it was just kind of a surprise thing for me. Because for me, it's never seemed like 
a huge holiday. No. Um, and that's, I don't know, as, as a polyamorous person, I think that's part of it is just because it's too inconvenient to get everyone gifts. Yeah, there's too many, <laughs> right? It's like when you have a lot of kids for Christmas. Only three of you are getting yep. gifts this year. Sorry, Timmy. Yeah, you're, Timmy. You're out this year. He's out every year, honestly, though. Yeah, sorry, no Timmy. Liked, no one liked Timmy. It's a bummer. Um, but, <laughs> but also I can't really judge because my favorite holiday is Easter and I'm the only person in the world whose favorite holiday is Easter. Well, you and Jesus. I was going to say, maybe, maybe the only non-Christian. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. That's but, true. But all that being said, I like holidays in general. So I still wanted to celebrate it by talking a little bit about the idioms around love Aww. because there are a lot of them. And they're really, really weird. Of course they are. <laughs> so I just, I thought that would be a fun way to just look into some of the, I'm not going to go into like the history of Valentine's Day because I think people for the most part know it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't, that's a, just let us know and we'll go cover it next year, I guess. Sure. <laughs> but it'll be, uh, yeah, next year. Something to look forward to. May not be a bad thing though. Yeah. yeah we'll see. I'm, we, we almost always learn something. Like I certainly learned stuff from this, just looking in some of the words around love and some of the symbolism around love. Okay. So. I'm along for the ride. Fabulous. So this started with the phrase head over heels. This is where I wanted to start because I hit a point with that phrase where all of a sudden, you know, with certain phrases, you hear them for the first time. Yeah. Like you've heard them a million times before, but for some reason you actually think about it for the first time and you feel it coming through your lips and you're like, wait. Yeah. Head over heels. That's right now. My head is always over my heels. And when it's opposite, it's usually a problem. Yes, exactly. And I think that's what the phrase is trying to invoke. But the fact that it's head over heels, that's every day for the most part. Most of us. Are <laughs> for most of us. Operating life. If that you way. do not have any heels, apologies. Oh, that would be bad. I mean, there, there's some of, of those. I know yeah. someone who doesn't have any heels. Yeah. For sure. I do. Yep. Suddenly it got dark. <laughs> Not necessarily. People can live very happy lives without sure, feet or bet. heels or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so this is not just associated with love, but it's very commonly, you know, you fall head over heels in love. Absolutely. And it, at some point, so it actually started out as heels over head. So in the 1300s, heels over head was pretty common parlance in the UK. But somewhere along the line... It got flipped. I had no idea it was that old. Yes. Yep. 1300s. And then it uh, it con- kind of shape-shifted into head over heels in the 1700s. And then later on came to mean love. But it didn't quite yet. So let's trail this back a little bit. Yep. So we don't have good, like paper documentation of it originating in the 1300s. There's not like a book that it was published. It's just known that it was in the parlance of the time. It's written in a few letters from the time. Okay. But always in the, always to mean falling over or, you know, just like getting knocked off your feet. Not necessarily related to love. Then in 1771, we see a book called The Contemplative Man. I like that word, contemplative. It is a good word. Uh, By Herbert Lawrence. This book published in 1771, and it says, He gave him such a violent, involuntary kick in the face as it drove him head over heels. So that's when we first see that inversion. But But of course, it's through violence. It's not through through love. love. Unless this is a very convoluted metaphor. Could be. Uh, Do you think that his friends called him Herbie? I hope so. Do you think so? Yeah, Herbie's not a bad... Fully loaded? Yeah. That's what I want. (laughs) Like a baked potato. (laughs) 
No, it's a movie. Herbie. No, oh, okay. I know it's a movie. That movie was out before you were born, youngster. No, it's, well, not the second one with Lindsay Lohan. Real, well, There's there was a, a bunch of Herbies. There were a lot of Herbies. I know it started 70s. before I was, but it Herbie did. Fully Loaded is from, oh, really? it had Lindsay Lohan in it. I watched it at my friend Molly Adamson's sleepover in like third grade. Wow. I, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Nor do, do I. I have a bad memory, but certain like little moments like that are just crystal clear. It, the whole movie's pretty crystal clear or just that you saw no, that No, I remember when the car was like flying, but that's about it. Well, it's that's like a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang thing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Do you think if Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Herbie had a baby, it would be... This is not the kind of slash fiction I want. Go on. No. <laughs> I don't want any, but go no, on. No, no, no. Maybe it'd be like one of those Honda Fits, you know, like a real little car. Even oh, like, tiny, yeah. like a smart car. like you That know. only has the two seats and you feel like you're going to die when you ride in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. those are scary. So then we actually do have documentation of when it began to be started to use for love. So around the 19th century, a man named David Crockett wow. published a book called The Narrative Life of David Crockett. Uh, okay. 1834. Uh, he writes in it that he soon found myself head over heels in love with this girl. Oh. And so then we began to see it emerge as a phrase for love. Yeah, um, thank you, Davy Crockett. Yeah. Davy, Davy Crockett. King. I didn't like that song because people, kids would sing it to me in elementary school. Molly used to sing that to me, but with my old first name in place of Davy. She, really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I guess because it, it was on one of our Disney, um, like, multi- oh track cds and so for some reason we just knew the davy crockett theme song yeah from that. many of us did <laughs> uh did, did you was this a way to torment you or did you just put yeah up i don't it? think i was happy about it that's not surprising it, as a small child you're rarely happy with the things that your big sister does to you especially when people are not calling you something that's not your name or you know like adding something to it yes and you're like uh, why are you calling me that that's not right <laughs> yes so around that time, too, there was actually the same year, there was in the Lebanon Patriot, which was an Indiana newspaper. I don't know why it's called Lebanon. but There's a city in Indiana, oh, okay. I think, called that Lebanon. That would make sense. Yeah. Uh, from June of 1834. So same year as the Davy Crockett thing. Uh, about 10 years ago, Lada fell head over heels in love with a young Philadelphian of excellent family. So right. the fact that it was published twice in the same year makes me think it was being used pretty commonly yeah. for that beforehand, but this is our Agreed. first documentation of it. Yep. So why did a phrase about violence, or at least falling over, this slapsticky phrase, why did it come to mean love? I don't know. I don't really either. <laughs> but it's <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. But it's really not the only violent imagery for love. There's tons of them. So if oh. you think of like take my breath away, I love you to death. Uh -oh. You're falling in love. Yeah. Um crush. Love oh. struck. Madly in love. So there's all this kind of language of violence and inevitability or like loss of control oh. and loss of sanity involved in love metaphors and the ways we talk about love, which is really interesting to me, right? Because it's, especially in our society, seen as one of like the pinnacles of existence, you're seeking love, yeah, sure. and yet it has all this negative language associated with it. Uh, one that I hadn't thought through, but as soon as I saw the word written in this context, suddenly it clicked, smitten. That's yeah. a past participle of smite. Yeah, I will... <laughs> 
one of my favorite things say when you're kind of jokingly uh, angry with someone is I will smite you with mighty smitiness. Yes. That's always a good one. You can use that if you want. Um, future t-shirt maybe. But you're right. I had never thought of it that way, yeah, way either. As soon as you see it, it's like, oh yeah, smite, smitten. Yeah. yeah. I've been hit with love. Yes. And it's like so mightily. Sweet. Mightily smitten. Well, smitten smit. applies almost a divinity to it. I think like you've yeah. been divinely smitten. And we'll talk about that a little bit too later oh, in terms of like Cupid and the symbolism there. Because that there's definitely that oh. imagery too of the violence of a bow and arrow True. that strikes you with love. Yeah. So interesting stuff, I think. I think it's just a dichotomy of what our words are saying about it and how we actually feel about it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like an extremity thing of like, we're just extreme. We're explaining something and showing how extreme we feel Yeah. because it's with this heavy, harsh language, or it could be really driving into that sense of the feeling of love as being something inevitable and something you don't have control over. And there's certainly a sense of when you are in love, you feel like you, you have lost a degree of control. Right. I've heard that from many people. I don't know if that's something that I you haven't experienced experience that? necessarily. I would phrase it more like this is not necessarily a loss of control, but when you present yourself to a person and a lot of people in regular life, mm-hmm. you are controlled with how much you allow yourself to be shown to them of who you are. And then when you are in love with somebody, you let that control up a little bit. You let yeah. them in to more of an extent and there's that longing to be with them, and, um, and and maybe you would do things that you wouldn't normally do because they want to do it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we're going to go skydiving. Oh, no way, <laughs> but yeah, it'll be great. And you're like, okay, if you say so, and then you find yourself on, you know, hopefully in great, you know, in good examples, adventures and different things that you may never have done mm-hmm. on your own. So maybe that right. kind of Right, because you sense. allowed yourself to be vulnerable, and yes. you allowed yourself to give up some agency in order to fully experience someone else. Right, right, which of course can be very healthy and mm-hmm. can be very unhealthy. Yes, depending. In the same way. Um, there was actually a really good phrase for this. It's kind of a newer word, but I thought it was a nice one to have in our vocabularies. Uh, psychologist Dorothy Tenov wrote a book in 1979 called Love and Limerence. Uh, and limerence is a word she makes up. She made up. So Lim- it's limerence. Limerence, which is kind of oh. funny to name your book a word that you made up. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's be... a wide swing, Dorothy. Yeah. I respect that. <laughs> it is a big swing. Uh, but she defines it as a state of mind which results from a romantic attraction to another person and typically includes obsessive thoughts and fantasies and desires to form or maintain a relationship with the object of love. Okay. So it's just kind of that obsessive love that is, you know, what the songs are about. Have you ever felt that? I don't think I have. Really? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I've been in love. Sure. And I am in love. Right. But I... I don't know. There's a Regina Spector song called Fidelity. And the, the first line of it is, I've never loved nobody fully. I've always got one foot on the ground. And I feel like that's mm. similar to me where a lot of love songs is like, that's very unrealistic. But that one, I'm like, yeah, that kind of You're tracks. Like, okay. That I one don't... makes sense. Well, and it, it kind of fits your personality too, right? Of like, I, I want to be more having feet on the ground. I want to be caught up in fancy as well. You're not opposed mm-hmm. to it. But yet, as much as I can, I want to be realistic about this. Right. Right. Yeah, so it's less, I'm not seeking the sweep off the feet, which is another, that, that yeah, helplessness that's imagery. Yeah, and potentially violent, right? And also, yeah, there's some of that as well. Leg sweep, like this. Karate Kid. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> but there's a good uh, 
quote about this by a poet named Jose Marti. Saying love is not love. Which is that very, like, that's something a poet would say, is it not? Like, defining love to this nearer thing of, like, it must be, you know, (laughs) blind and mad and wild in order to be worthy. Yeah, and if it's not, there's it's and it's like ranking and judging, like there's lesser and greater forms uh-huh. of love, and there are to an extent, I think, but you can we'll romanticize it to such an extent that it can, of course, get ridiculous, where you end up watching Hallmark movies all the time, <laughs> and that's 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 bad. So let's talk a bit about the different types of love. Okay, um, are you familiar with the Greek? categories of love are you kidding me there I is a c.s lewis book about it so you know <laughs> before uh, what's it called again the four types of love I four think. types of love and yeah. i grew up in a uh, pentecostal church so yes uh-huh. we talked about the greek words for love yes many can you times. name them i'm curious there's agape yep there's phileo uh-huh. there is um the, the philadelphia <laughs> i know it's wrong but the yeah, yeah, Philadelphia love. Nope. Uh, which yep, Philadelphia. Um, or I think I think you're thinking with, of uh, philia. Philia. But there's philia and philautia. Yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten philautia. Okay. Um, but those are, and you're gonna say the other ones, and I'm gonna probably remember them. Yeah. Those are eros mm-hmm. is is okay. one of them. That's I think that's pretty much what I got. Okay. No, that was comprehensive. You got Thank I think you. all of them. Thank Except you. for one, maybe. Well, but, I didn't have uh, Philautia. Yes, you did not have Philautia, nor did you have Xenia, but we'll get there. I, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, so Eros is a lot of what this is, what we've talked about so far. So like Jose Marti, like, you know, saying love is not love. Eros is the sexual passion. It's yep. the blind love, the horny. <laughs> That's what that is. <laughs> you, you, you whispered that. <laughs> I, I, hopefully they caught that on the uh, recording. Yeah, I'll like make it like loud in post. It's not a great word. I I've never I think that it's word. a useful word. Sure. Because it's, I don't know, like aroused is too clinical, right? It's like how there's no good word for boobs. I don't know if we talked about this in the booby trap episode, but like there's just not a good word for it because all of them are too extreme well, in whatever direction. I feel like, and again, I there's some words that don't fit your mouth well yeah. because you don't, I don't like me saying, I don't like the way horny sounds coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. It feels very uh, crass. Yes. And I, but it'd be like, honey, I'd like to let you know I'm feeling rather aroused tonight. You're right. Like, that's like, not great. What are we in a 50s sitcom? You can go with frisky, but that's. No, cool. no, no. no. <laughs> we, frisky, aroused, horny, these are words. There's got to be a better word. Like, we should contact that lady who made up the word for love. There you go. Maybe See if she, she can, yeah. or maybe we can just all go around saying limerence. I'm feeling Which rather is... limerency tonight. No. No, no. <laughs> do, you need, do you need an antibiotic? <laughs> we have a balm. So, yeah, that's Eros. All of those things, I think, go underneath Eros. Okay. There's also Philia, which is like yes. the friendship, brotherhood, yes. that kind of thing. Philadelphia, like uh, I was yep. saying. Siddly, <laughs> city of brotherly love, uh-huh. and it is not a very loving city in many ways. No. Can I give you a small example of how I know Please this? Please do. The Philadelphia Eagles football team uh-huh. um, is known over the years, to have incredibly rabid, raucous fans. Mm-hmm. And, this, and back, I think, in the 70s or 80s, during Christmas time, they had Santa Claus out on the field as, like, you know, entertaining the fans from between, you know, uh, while they weren't actually playing football, between quarters or something like mm-hmm. that. They pelted him with ice balls. What? Why? Until he had to flee the field. Why? Because they could. That's... 
They actually even set up, if I understand correctly, they had a courtroom set up in the stadium because there are so many drunken brawls that would happen. Okay, so they just had like a... Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, There well. you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, wanted to throw that in. Philadelphia. What Sydney. do they call that? The drunk tank or whatever? Where they... They would try them and could convict them right on the spot. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, There'd so it wasn't just like there. a place for them to no, dry no, out. This it isn't was... like the brig. Okay. There was actually a judge there and they could sentence them and take them to uh, a real prison. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. That's wild. It, it, that's I had to throw that in for... Sorry if you're in Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, I don't dislike the Eagles, but uh-huh. apparently their fans are very, you know, they're real committed. Good to they know. They will hurt you and send you head over heels. Painfully. Delightful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, more types of Greek love. Storge. Oh, Which is like that. family love. It's so, like love between parent and child, oh. love between like family members. Um, agape, of course. Yes. Which is kind of soul love. So, it's either that deep, like soul to soul love or like. That feeling of like love for everything and yes. reverence for the universe, reverence for God, that kind of category. It's, that's usually that's the term usually used of God's love in the New Testament is agape is the oh, okay. word they use. Yeah, so. in the Greek. Yeah, in yeah. the Greek. Um, philautia, love of self. Oh. Which can either, it can be on any extreme. So it can be like narcissism or it can be just the necessary need to of self-preservation and anywhere in between there because obviously there's healthy mediums (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, boundaries you know yeah absolutely uh xenia love of stranger of course the greeks had a lot of rules pertaining to uh welcoming in strangers Mm -hmm. and so that's where that word comes in and then there's also lesser known uh pragma which is like practical love so like pragmatic yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's like, you know, long-term marriage, old people love, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because they can't know the other kind as well. No, they can, but that's I'm just kidding. the way that it's been described. Yeah, is yeah, that sure. it's like it, yeah. For like arranged marriages and stuff, just kind of that practical love of yeah. relying on one another, but not necessarily with the puppy love eyes. Yes, the uh, love at first sight, which I, mm-hmm. I don't believe in that. I'm not a big love at first sight person. No, I don't. Are you a uh, soulmate person? No, I don't. I really don't believe the whole idea that there's, well, I hope not because yes. being divorced, um, I hope that I only had one true chance at love uh-huh. and I wouldn't diminish my first relationship by saying, well, that wasn't it because yeah. I've been remarried. Now I found it. Um, now I've got a pretty big soul. So the one thing I've said, thought before is if, like, what if you didn't like your soulmate and then you wanted to, like, swap souls with somebody because you didn't, you had oh, that one uh-huh. person. That's a body swap move that hasn't been done yet. I'm I know. into it. I think of new things. Yeah. I, I, lo- I don't, this is off topic. I love body swaps. Do you? Fiction, yeah. I've been rewatching Community and they had the body swap episode. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I love body swaps. Like, that's just a trope to me that I, I love tropey storytelling and it makes me happy. You know what I love about things like that is I, and I, I was just watching Groundhog Day the other day because mm-hmm. it was Groundhog it was Day. Groundhog Day. And, and I really enjoy the movie. But I love the time travel that type of thing where the person has to convince. And I got to see this. I just saw the scene when he's in the diner mm-hmm. with, I think it's Andy McDowell. And yes. he's like... You need to understand this is real. And she's like, you're full of crap. And then uh-huh. he goes and he goes shows in her. his God monologue. Yes, which is yes. fantastic. It's wonderful. And I love that moment, the rev- that moment in the movie where they convince the person who's not believing into yes. a believer. I- I'm always in for that scene. I love it. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, no, it's very satisfying. Like, it's just 
seeing something click in somebody's head when it's done well, it's exciting. That, that kind of moment where like, oh, he's got to be telling. Because I think we all have that that whimsy, that kind of hope that maybe something could happen. Or like, oh, there's more going on. Uh-huh. <gasps> But, you know, yeah. it's fun to get lost in that. Yes. We're also theater kids with want for fantasy. And, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and other people could be like, no, that's really stupid. And you're not wrong. But yeah. we do like it. I, I love that kind of stuff. Me too. Um, so, well, we got off track. What? <laughs> Us? No. So let's talk about a bit about Eros. Okay. And his arrows. Eros and his arrows. Oh, ho, ho. That's, yeah. Uh, so Cupid. Cupid is a big imagery thing for valentine's day you kind see of, lots of little chubby babies with bow and arrows they should not weird. have those kind of weird yep <laughs> it's not age appropriate <laughs> usually naked yeah with a, their leg just like you know casually concealing things As you do. yeah so that's weird right well, well practicing why, archery why do we have this naked archery what's i mean naked archery sounds like a fun summer camp activity adult <laughs> summer camp i should say uh, sure yep those are a thing anyway so cupid as you know is eros Yes. The Greek god. Mm-hmm. Uh, of love. He's kind of. Because he's the son of Aphrodite, who's uh-huh. the goddess of love. Right. And Eros isn't necessarily like called the god of love, because that's her thing. But he doesn't like have a title. He is a very powerful god. He just doesn't have one of the, like, the snappy titles like uh, <laughs> some of the others do. What does he do? If he's well, powerful, what is he, what's he about? He plays with the hearts of mortals. And oh. also gods. So he's just kind of, he's he's kind of one of the trickster god archetypes. Oh, where sure. Where he just kind of yeah. wants to muck everything up. Thanks, buddy. So he has magic powers that allow people, he gets to make people fall in love. But are they really in love then? Well, let's talk about that in a minute. Okay. Oh, jump in the gun. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, I wanted to read this passage about how kind of this creation of love is depicted. So there's, this is an entry from a myth. Eros drove Dionysus mad for the girl with the delicious wound of his arrow. (sighs) Then curving his wings flew lightly to Olympus, as the gods roamed over the hills scourged with greater fire. For there was not the smallest comfort for him. He then had no hope for the girl's love, no physic psychic for his passion but eros burnt him more and more with the mind bewitching fire to win mad obstinate aura at last that's dark yeah yeah that's like, that's obsessive it's dionysus like wandering this hillside like after being given the delicious wound no. of er- eros's arrow and is just like being driven mad with this passion that's dark. I once felt that way about a hamburger. <laughs> Where from? Really hungry. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know. That's just a dumb <laughs> joke. But no, that's not... It, 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 I don't know if you're going to tap into this, but um, some of the... We were just talking about this yesterday, about some love songs in quotes. These yes. are not love songs, people. These are creepy as all get out. Every breath you take. I'll be watching you. Yeah. If they say it a little differently, I think people would get it. Yes. Just switch it in the minor key and we're good to go. <laughs> Which would uh, be great. I'm sure somebody's <laughs> it's done it. It's been done for sure. But yeah, this is where we kind of get like the, well, this is Eros and he is love. Like Eros means love. Mm-hmm. 
this is love? Question no, mark. No, I would say no. And obviously it's all a metaphor for how people behave when they are in love. Right. But then these kinds of metaphors, especially within mythology, get super complicated because it both is and isn't a metaphor. When you see it metaphorically, it's like, yes, people, you know, act kind of crazy and seem like they, you know, can't eat or sleep because they just need this. Right. But at the same time, there is this really dark, true mythology, not, you know what I'm yeah. saying, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of this certain weight of it of, oh, yes, this is how it goes. You get stabbed with an arrow. Sure. And for the whims of this god who's just like, hey, hey, hey. hey watch this. <laughs> yep. Hey, Zeus, watch this one. So it's just, it's an interesting conflict, I think, of the ways that we intertwine violence and affection it does and it, of course it's very old and ancient but uh it's a good thing i don't have those powers because i would be dangerous because yes. i would be totally just messing we've with talked people. as your prankster streak before yeah, i am yes. i am a trickster god minus the god <laughs> part um but yeah i i could see it's interesting it would be interesting to see what his motivation was or they say his motivation was to do the things he did and to the people he wanted to fall in love um you know, I know it's a, it's obviously a mythical character, but yes, well, and I it, it kind of varies story to story, right? Because this sure. is an oral tradition, and so things get a little bit, you know, mucky. And sometimes it's yeah. because he is just kind of like bored and wants to just have some fun. Sure. Sometimes he gets enlisted by another god mm-hmm. to make people fall in love, often by his mother. Um, the goddess uh, okay. of love, because she's like, these people should really be together. Keep it, do your thing. Yeah, yeah. This will uh, be a good. Th- this will actually yes. be a good thing for both of them. But then also in later years, they really leaned into that, especially when the myths began to bleed into Rome. Mm-hmm. So when the Romans were just. You know, picking off Greek gods and choosing them, right? <laughs> like a buffet. <laughs> they decided to kind of make Eros weaker. They didn't oh. want him to have all this power, so they made him really seem like his mother's lackey, like he was just doing what she told him to do. Okay. And around this time, they also started depicting him as a baby oh. because they wanted to really drive home that this was the child of Aphrodite and she he just did her bidding. Right. So he was a baby. Why do you think they needed to take the god of love or goddess of love and depower it? I'm guessing it was a... So I'm not an expert in this. Yeah, but we're, we're spitting From, from what know. I can tell, I think it's just a difference of ideals between the two civilizations. Agreed. It had to be because at some point someone's like, we're going to borrow these gods. We're going to project and promote these to the people. We're going to mm-hmm. have priests and priestesses there. But this one, we don't like the the stat rank of this one. Right. We need to because change it doesn't, that. Because it doesn't jive with our cultural importance for More this, for what they're about. So we're just going to lessen this one, increase this one. Here we go. We're really into Mars. Yes. We're really, we're really into <laughs> the god of war. Uh, maybe love. We're going to put him on the back burner. It's cute and nice, but it's not a driving force. That, right. And there's definitely still some whimsy in there and everything, but they definitely get into the more like cherubic imagery. Yeah. I think a, a lot of our, of course, we've talked about this before, our image of gods or uh, God says way more about us than it does the actual yes. gods, if you will. Which there's some real good, uh, like Terry Pratchett's Small Gods. 
mm. is a really excellent depiction of that. That's an incredible book. And of course, like American Gods too, by Neil Gaiman. Oh yeah, sure. Has some, those books share some energy. They do. Well, um, I haven't read the other one, but uh, you should. Gods I don't know if you've was... read any Terry Pratchett. I but, haven't. Okay. I haven't read Pratchett. That's but, a good uh, one place to start. Is Small God. So the Romans turned Eros into Cupid and Aphrodite into Venus, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Which less of a focus, but. They named him Cupid, uh, which translates to desire. Oh, I didn't know that. And also made him a little baby boy. Um, Here's a statue that's really horrifying. Uh, It's from, like, the 2nd century. No, that's not good. Yeah, it's very... I I think it's mostly creepy because it's, like, falling apart because it's from the 2nd century. (laughs) But I'll put that up on the Facebook page because it's it's a haunted image. (laughs) It's not good. It's, 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 yeah. It's It's a problem. So... Valentine's Day was not around during this time, but the symbolism of this little boy who made people fall in love persisted through these years. That's what was the Renaissance artists. They all depicted him as this. And that really solidified Eros, Cupid, baby. (laughs) Love is baby. (laughs) And obviously there's also some like symbolism there of Of reproduction and, you know, which I think is also part of the Roman uh, goals for that because Eros sure. in Greek mythology was like this hot dude because of oh. course he was a Greek god so he was like a hot 20 something they all were yeah uh, but by reshifting it to the Roman ideal of a baby that kind of shows maybe what their thought of love was what love should be is about making babies because they needed yeah they needed the population yeah so in the Victorian era when Valentine's Day really started taking off uh, they and when there was able to be like mass produced pictures of yeah. merchandising of huh. Valentine's Day, sure. <laughs> that uh, was the imagery they had was this Cupid baby. So that's when that really took off, and we have Cupid as our Valentine's mascot to this day. Yeah. But I want to talk a little bit about cherubs. Yes, because <laughs> I was going to comment on yes. that because it, biblically, yes. so many, and of course, during the Renaissance, probably got popularized. Now, all of a sudden, angels are being portrayed as babies. This is another area where there is weakening of these powerful figures into mm. babies, which is interesting to me that because is. cherubim um, are from Abrahamic religions, of course. Sure, They're yeah. depicted in Judaism and Christianity in Islam. Mm-hmm. And they we think of cherubs as chubby little baby, maybe with some wings. No. Nope. Probably naked. Yep. That's not quite right. Well, not if you're not if you're <laughs> if you uh, adhering to any of those texts, these are some what you would say as uh, Samuel Jackson, some badass mofos. Yes. So very, very scary. Here's looking. a passage from Ezekiel one describing a cherub. I have a tattoo of Ezekiel one. No, I don't. <laughs> And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces. Each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And four had their faces in their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each one had a human face, then a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle. Doesn't say where that one was. Such were their faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies, and each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. 
As for the likeness of living creatures, their appearance were like burning coals of fire, yeah. like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Their whole body, their backs, their hands, their wings, and the wheels were full of eyes uh-huh. all around, the yeah. wheels belonging to all four of them. Yeah. The wheels were called, in my hearing, the whirling wheels." Yeah. Damn. Um, well, I had a car like that once. It could only go forward. It couldn't go in reverse. Yep, or turn. It was a problem. They just no. were. <laughs> Set it Which on is kind way. of funny. You know, it's, uh, I wonder what was going on with poor Ezekiel. Um, something I've thought of before. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, no mention of, of the babies. Yeah. Oh, that's We're just going to go through some pictures of She's these showing angels. Me. There's some nice artistic representations. Okay, I know you don't believe in those. I, I get that. But if you saw one of those in, yeah. the, in the Bible, every single time yes. an angel appears, they're like, Do not be afraid. Oh, hey, we're going to go ahead. You can just, we're going to die. Uh-huh. Every human goes into fetal position pretty much. And if they look like wee babies, uh-huh. um, like this angel figure and the picture showing me <laughs> and the angel figure, this angel figure this person wanted, uh, that's, yeah, that that's a Cthulhu nightmare. Yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this is very Lovecraftian. Oh, yeah. Because it's like this non-Euclidean, nothing makes sense. They can't turn because they're not existing in the same space as we are. And the souls of the living are going around them because Uh they can't be within their presence. Like, it's wild. It is. It's it's very intense. So it's fascinating that Cherub is now a squishy little baby. Yeah. Whereas... In the day, they were these tetramorphic a- angels, which is a fun oh, word I learned through this. I so tetramorphic meaning, meaning they take on all four forms of life, that being human, uh, domesticated animal, wild animal, and flying. And a bird. And a bird. Got yeah, the bird seems a little tacked on. But... Well, except for the wings. <laughs> it's all about wings. It does all have wings and also hooves and human hands and it's disturbing it is very disturbing yeah i also came across the phrase throughout this research uh jewish angelic hierarchy yeah sure which is just a fun phrase i think yeah Uh, it's right up there with the uh clown hierarchy with the angel there's absolutely Uh considered to be a hierarchy there have been books written about this yes which and there's a lot of different opinions on what it should be (laughs) sure so the cherubim are in the ninth rank which is the second lowest so there's 10 ranks they're the ninth uh but then in islam they're at the very top of the hierarchy oh they're the closest to god there's the seraphim and the cherubim Mm -hmm. and there are archangels yes those are the ones i know of many more really well maybe we'll go into this at some point but there's just like no i'm learning a lot about angels and it's fascinating where they got this stuff yeah so this is another area where a lot of the depictions and the imagery was softened over time because Mm. like you were referencing this this picture i was showing you earlier it was the angel figure my grandma gave me and it's a precious moments little angel it's like a little (laughs) girl holding a candle with wings and it's very you know she wants to be your friend cute and then next to it it says the angel figure i wanted and it's like you know interlocking rings covered in eyes and has a fetal monster at the center of it. And it and like, wants to eat your soul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One wants to be your friend, and one looks like it wants to devour your soul. <laughs> and of course, there's a lot of different reasons that this became kind of obfuscated of angels, largely because of Bible fan fiction. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is so much of it. Yes, I did I did a extended study in undergrad about biblical fan fiction, aka like 
Paradise Lost and yeah. Dante's uh, Inferno and yeah. all of these different ways that someone was just like, hey, I really like the Bible. <laughs> I should make up some shit about it. And then, oh, no, the Catholic Church took it. And now oh, they think it's real. And then, and then you get a couple and then you add a couple hundred years. Yes, exactly. And, like, and now it's like, now is, this is just true. Well, they think it is for those of us who do put faith in the Bible. You do. It is important to get an idea of. Okay, you say putting your faith in this book. I'm mm-hmm. with you. I, I'm I'm part of that tribe, but then there's like you probably you realize there's some stuff you believe that's just not in there, but it's actually from Dante's Inferno or yes. you know Paradise Lost. This is just straight up made by an Italian dude. Yeah, he this just, is like not was making fun of his neighbor because <laughs> it's political satire, and he was just mad about how his country was treating him. So he was like, "Well, I'm going to put you all in hell." Well, here's the thing: don't piss off writers, right? Yep, we, we've learned exactly. that. Yeah, all right. Don't Dante's do that. a peak. Example of that. Pen is mightier than a sword. Yeah. Or a bone arrow. At least when we're looking in the long term. Right. True. (laughs) Short term. So uh, let's finish this out. Okay. I found some uh, pictures of some uh, vintage Valentines. Because, of course, that's the other (laughs) tradition is Valentine cards, which have been around for forever. So I dug up some weird ones of those. So now you know a little bit more about where the imagery comes from, where some of the terminology comes from, the complications between those two and the ways that we've shaped them over time to fit our cultural ideals. Mm -hmm. And now let's laugh at some really weird ways people tried to say they loved each other. Because it could be such a hard thing, right? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. What's a hard thing? No, I'll let go. No, to show pictures. To express love, especially if you've been in marriage or in a relationship for a long period of time, after a while, you still want to hear I love you, and that's yeah. good, and you need to have that verbalized, and you need to have it expressed physically, um, the five love languages we've talked about a billion yeah. times, um, but yet you can't just go through a relationship and just go, hey, I love you, that's good, but you need to express it in new and creative ways, yes. and that can be challenging. For sure. So why not a card from Hallmark? <laughs> That's sure to do the trick. <laughs> That'll do it. Or you can go with one of these. We'll be putting these on the Facebook group so you can print them out for your loved ones. Um, I, so you want to describe some of these that catch your eye? There'll be more. No. Well, first of all, there is a picture of a man who is uh, apparently um, bound to a heart-shaped chair or something. And it says, yeah. to my Valentine. He tied it- up. By a little Cupid figure. Little Cupid has tied him up and he looks um, like he's been hypnotized. He looks like he's in a trance. Yes, which is, we could get into that too. Kind of the idea of like helplessness and hypnotize of of love. But that's a conversation for another day, I think. And then we've got a tiger that wants to eat you. Um, Grr, I'll be angry if you... If you won't be mine. Oh no, that's a little <laughs> bit of a threat. And then we have it a, is, it's threatening, right? 100%. And then there's a clown, uh-huh. uh, like a child. It's like the Cupid is now a clown. Uh-huh. And what does it say? Message? It just says message of love. Oh, no, it's, it's not. It's just a clown holding an apple, sticking out his tongue. And then he's got his one finger up. Uh, like, And then there is a... Card. Why is this woman eating fire? Then there's another picture of a woman with a flaming torch, and the f- fire is going into her heart. And she says, it's quite a trick, but I'll have you for my Valentine. No, you won't. <laughs> She, her mouth is very large. It's too large. Too much largeness. Uh, um, oh, no. And this one's hard to read, but it says... Why? Uh, He's hunting. Old Chappie, I'm aiming for a deer. Hope I get her. Uh, so in this version of the Valentine's card, this little boy dressed in a very uh, old school hunting uniform. And there's a girl hiding behind a log because apparently he thinks love is shooting her with a rifle. Yes. She does not look thrilled about this. No, nor should she. I don't know what the hell that is. 
<laughs> it says, a, I'm plum oh, no. crazy for you. This it's really with a plum head. Oh, oh no. And then there's a, a, a black witch's cauldron pot. There's a little girl cringing in it. It's surrounded by flame. And on the cauldron, it says, you're sweet enough to eat my Valentine. If you get this card, you need to run. You need to run. He's There's a lot of knives you. and fire, and this one makes me happy. Oh no, it's caveman. Uh, <laughs> one a caveman who might be another cave woman. It actually looks like uh-huh. uh, one caveman is hitting the girl on the head and says, "I love you." Now will you be my Valentine? After I smite violence. You. This one's Victorian. I don't it's understand. a Victorian I don't Valentine. All. It's just a picture of a lobster and a nice shell, and it just says, "The lobster in love." Sure. That's my favorite because it's so weird. It doesn't make any sense. And last one. To my Valentine, it is a what? It's a picture of a boot with a face on it. There's a boot with a face on it. And then there's something. It's a boot. We're not Canadian. Uh, And then there's a little boot next to it. And then there's something. What is that? What's? I don't know. There's something it's apparently like another trying to boot woo with it. like grass coming out of it. I don't yeah, so we've had different ideals of what love means, and apparently at one point it meant lobsters and boots with bases. And they still, it still does for a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. And all I can say about this is, I'll never love again. If only to be a lobster in love. Well, that sounds now. There's a good band name, Lobster in Love. <laughs> that's pretty good. It's not bad. So, what was your favorite thing from today's episode, Father? Uh, I, I liked. I didn't know about the hierarchies of nine or. 10 angels. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of cool. And um, the head over heels being so old and not really making any sense once you think about it. Yes. But that's part of the whole, again, it's part of why we do this podcast is there's these phrases that are out there. You've heard them before and it's for people who like to listen to this or where you've gone, why do we say that? That's so weird. It's really weird. Um, and it is weird. But there, yeah. And I liked the best our conversation about how they wanted to depower Eros because yes. for the culture and what they needed to promote and get people thinking about that's pretty interesting. Yeah. How about you? Um, I liked the Cupid stuff too. I also finding out just like finally looking, I love, we talk about that valley between the signifier and the signified. Yeah. And when you finally see the woods through the trees and you see the signifier for like the first time yes. and you're like, oh, smitten. Oh. Yeah. Then you start seeing it. it yes. It changes how you view and for a long time, again, we've talked about the creepy love songs. Uh-huh. Um, Hall and Oates have have a good one too. The private eyes watching you; they see uh-huh. your every move. Um, but there's a there's a whole bunch of them, and it's the ones where people are like, "Oh, it's so cute." And you're like, "No, this is a stalker." Right. It's important things to think about. Stalking isn't love. No, it, sorry, it, Twilight. It is interesting how uh, sometimes that will morph into this need for control you don't love them you want to control them it's a yes. much different thing for sure and uh, that's an important distinction to make and that i think is a little concerning with some of the ways that our culture depicts love because it yeah. teaches those things as normal absolutely when they are not that's right or they are too normal and should not be but you know we hope you love this podcast hey there's a <laughs> that's my segue. segment that was my segue. if you do love our podcast and very good then yeah. please leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice or on our facebook group if your podcatcher of choice does not allow reviews but that helps us out helps us get the word out which we appreciate yes you can follow our facebook group to see pictures from this and other episodes and to get updates about our releases you can email us at watchyourmouthpod at gmail.com 
If you would like to give suggestions or comments or corrections, any of that, just be nice. Please. (laughs) We're very fragile. And thank you to Tony Gebhardt for our theme song. Anything else? Yeah, just tell tell people about the podcast. We're still a little podcast. Um, There's not a ton of you listening. We're just honest about that stuff. Uh, We're having a great time um, doing it. We're going to do it probably pretty much no matter how many people are or aren't listening. But we'd love to have a bigger audience. We'd love to get some more feedback from you. So we'd love to hear from you. It'd be great. Appreciated. But in the meantime, have a wonderful week, and we will catch you next week. Happy Valentine's Day from the Watch Your Mouth Pod. I'm Milo. I'm Dave. Stay curious and carry a hatchet. <laughs>